Well, let's turn together now to 2 Peter 3. And if you're new to us, we've been walking through this wonderful part of God's Word, and we've now moved into the third chapter as of today. And today we're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. Some years ago, there used to be this criticism, really this warning. Sometimes people would say this, and they'd say, hey, make sure as a Christian, you're not so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. It's a strange criticism, a strange warning, because as I look back over my life, I've never met somebody who was so heavenly minded, they were no earthly good. The opposite is typically true, where people are so earthly minded that they're no earthly good. They're focused on the same empty things as everybody else, wasting their lives. What Jesus called being salt that's lost its saltiness. That's how most people live. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. So my prayer is today as we move into chapter 3 of 2 Peter, that you and I will be more heavenly minded than we've ever been before, that we'll do the most gospel good than we've ever done in our lives. Here's what Paul said to the Colossians in Colossians 3. On our way to 2 Peter 3, but listen to this. Paul said to the Colossians, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so 2 Peter 3, all about that as we think about Christ coming again. But it starts with Peter talking about reminders. So let's talk together first about the role of reminders. This is verse 1. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So Peter is saying, hey, I'm reminding you of some things. I wrote the first letter to you to remind you of these things. And now I'm backing it up with another letter that I might remind you of things. And here's a reminder that you and I need reminders. I remember Adrian Rogers once saying something like this, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. And I remember that all these years later. I remember that statement. Do you like it? The weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. And his point was, write it down. You won't remember. And that's certainly true of me. I live my life by post-it notes. And more recently, that calendar on my phone synced to the calendar on my desk that I not forget where I need to be next. Now, occasionally I still forget, but it's because I forget to look at my calendar. But it's on there. I did the right thing there. I also like that alarm feature on my phone where I can just tell Siri, hey, tell me to take out the trash at 9 p.m. You know, and, and I like that. I have these alarms set up because I know I'm prone to forget with so many details and the same as you. But Peter reminds us that Spiritually, we also are prone to forget. And part of the problem is we do live on this earth and our minds are down on things. And even if you think about the advertisers, they will tell us about all the things that we need to be thinking about from their vantage point, their product. So take this trip, drive this car, buy this mattress. These are things that we, we focus on. And, and so we're moving here and there. Think on this, think on that. And if we're not careful, we will forget those things that matter absolutely the most. We can forget the greatest love, the greatest peace, the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to remember. Peter says it again. Look at it. I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember. 
Now, this is one of the great functions of a local church, and this is why it's so wonderful that you got up this morning and you came, because this is what we do each week when we get together. Together, we sing of the greatness of God, lest we forget. We open up the Bible together that we not forget who he is and how wonderful he is. And so this rhythm of your life, not occasional, but every week I will be with God's people. Unless I'm traveling or sick, I'm going to be here lest I forget the things that matter most on this earth. But then aren't you glad you don't have to wait once a week to remember? You have a Bible. So Peter talks about here, hey, the holy prophets talked about this. And also the apostles talked about this. And we have the words of the apostles and the prophets in the scriptures that we have in front of us today. And aren't you glad we have this ability to take the written word every week and remember the things of God? So decades ago, like maybe many of you, decades ago, I finished reading the Bible. I'd read all of the 66 books of the Bible. But I kept on reading the Bible all these decades since. Why? Not because I haven't read it before, but I need the reminders. And that's why I often call on you. Listen, read the word of God. Read the word of God for relationship because you're going to meet with the living God as you open up his word and dialogue with him. You're, you're having him speak to you through his scriptures and you're praying back to him in response. So read for relationship, but listen, read for reminders. So as you get alone with God every day with the Bible, you're going to be reminded this, that God is better than anything else being offered to you that day in the world. Don't you need that reminder? Every day when you get alone with God and open up his word, you're going to be reminded that he loves you and cares for you. Don't you need to remember that? Every day when you get alone with God and you open up the Bible, you're going to be reminded that sin hurts and sin divides people and sin creates distance between you and the God who loves you. You and I need that reminder. When you get alone with God with an open Bible, you're going to be reminded of his greatness his great love, his mercy, his holiness. You and I cannot forget that. In his presence with an open Bible, you're going to be reminded of all the reasons to continue trusting Jesus, even a life full of pain. And when you get along with God with an open Bible every day, you're going to be reminded that you have a mission on this earth, that there remains a great commission, that you're to be a disciple who makes disciples. That you are to be an ambassador for Christ. That's why your heart beats that we just think about. That's why you're sucking in breath. That you might represent Christ on earth. Yes, to worship him, but also to make him known. So Peter just says here, I'm writing to remind you that you not forget. So let me exhort you again. Gather like this to be remembering who God is to you, but also every day get with him. Read for relationship. Read to remember. But Peter has one thing in particular here that he wants to make sure his readers don't forget. And that is that Jesus is coming again. Specifically, remember that Jesus is coming again. Follow with me now, verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored, stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So it appears 
that these false teachers we've read so much about here in 2 Peter, these ones that he, call, he now calls scoffers, it appears that part of their trouble was they were disturbing the people saying, Jesus isn't going to come again. He's not coming back. They're scoffing at the whole idea. So have you forgotten that Jesus is coming back again? One of the things that we tend to forget with our eyes down is, oh yeah, there is a glorious second coming of Jesus. Here we're entering into the Christmas season and we're going to be delighting much in the incarnation that, that Jesus came so humbly, took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's coming. And how, how wonderful to celebrate that as he came as our Savior. But the Bible equally talks about him coming a second time in great power and in glory, and we tend to forget that. You probably have noticed the news never talks about that. They don't wrap up every newscast saying, and most of all, remember, Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> of course, it's not their job to do that. They don't know Jesus. It's our job to remember that. But it would be nice if we had those, if, if things were right in the world, they'd be telling us that's the most important thing to be thinking about. And neither on ESPN. I watched a lot of sports yesterday. I don't, nobody mentioned the second coming. The only time that I ever hear that on ESPN is when they use that as a metaphor. Like somebody comes back from an injury or from retirement. Oh, it's the second coming of this great athlete. And they kind of cheapen the phrase. They're just playing upon something. But just think about it. When Jesus comes back, it's nothing like what they're kind of joking about. When Jesus returns, it will be universe altering when he comes. So dramatic as we're going to see in just a moment. But the scoffers, they're saying he's not coming. Notice here what Peter says. They're deliberately forgetting this truth. They're deliberately putting this out of their mind. So we're talking about how we need to remember. Some people have the information and they're just setting it aside deliberately. Notice verse 5 again. For they deliberately overlook this fact. It appears that these false teachers had kind of a deistic view. Somehow a, a weird version of that because they, they believed in Christ to some extent. But they had this idea that God's not going to intervene in the world. And they're deliberately forgetting that God always intervenes in his world. And so Peter takes them to the creation. God created the world. How can you say he doesn't intervene? He did in creation. He made everything. Then he reminded them he could have pulled many examples from the scriptures, but he pulled a great one with the flood. That universal flood when God judged the entire earth. He's saying, how can you say God doesn't intervene? And bring judgment. He brought a great flood. And he said, now the present earth is reserved for fire. There is a judgment coming. And so the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles have talked to us about a second coming of the Lord. The Old Testament prophets often talked about the day of the Lord. And in the New Testament, we often read about the return of Christ. So do you know that, that Jesus is coming again? So let's talk about it real quickly. I'll give you several examples. First of all, Jesus himself taught during his first coming that he's coming again. Here are a couple of examples. So John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said, I'm coming back for you. Or how about this example, Matthew 24, verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Jesus also talked about it in Mark 13. So Jesus kept saying, I'm coming again. I'm going to come again. And it'll be very different with the second coming. Or how about those angels when Jesus did ascend into heaven after the resurrection? One of the angels said this, men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Or how about these apostles? Peter said the apostles had talked about this, including Peter himself. But here's Paul to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 15 and following. It says this, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Or how about Hebrews chapter 9? Verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Peter said, don't forget the coming of the Lord. Why is it so important that you and I not forget this? Well, one of the reasons it's so important you not forget that Jesus is coming is because this is our ultimate hope that Jesus is coming. Titus spoke this way, or Paul to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our great hope. So I find this is true in my life probably every month, several times in a month, I'm praying this prayer, come Lord Jesus. That's when I see something crazy again in the news or some horrific thing done to another person on the earth and you just, ah, Jesus, come. Because I know when Jesus comes, he's going to turn the world right side up at last. And so it's been my prayer, come Lord Jesus. But, but he is coming in his own timetable. But I know this, when Jesus comes, we'll have freedom from pain. We'll have freedom from all of our problems. And so this is our great hope. This reminder, when we think of Jesus coming in, that all of our problems, though they're terrible, they're temporary. But all of our joys will be eternal. When Jesus comes, there's vindication. When Jesus comes, there are rewards. There will be also justice. Why is it important that we not forget about Jesus coming again? Also because this gives us an eternal perspective. Here's this reminder that Jesus could come at any moment. He's promised. Only the Father knows. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But Jesus is coming. It could be today. I pray it is today. But here's a reminder when we know that, that we don't have unlimited time to turn and follow Jesus like we should. So maybe you're here today and you've been thinking, you know, one day, one day I'm going to get around to kind of following Jesus like I should, but, but I've got time for that. You know, maybe you look at the actuarial tables, what the insurance company tells you, how long your life expectancy is. Hey, listen, not so fast. Listen, you do know that there are accidents that can happen. They can take you out sooner than you thought. You do know there are diseases that maybe the average person your age doesn't have, but you might get. Or certainly, do you not know that Jesus could return this very afternoon you don't have unlimited time. And so living with that awareness is so critical for us, but causes us to live with wisdom. You begin to ask the right questions. Where should I invest my very finite amount of time? What should I live for? What's life ultimately about in light of the fact that he's coming? In fact, we saw back in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11, he says, in light of this, listen, you need to, you need to pray, you need to love, and you need to serve. C.T. Studd famously said this, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ 
will last. And so being aware of Jesus coming again helps us to live with that eternal perspective. But since Peter's brought up the second coming, and because there are scoffers, he has to address the question, well, why, is it, why hasn't he come yet? The scoffers are asking the question. We see it in verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming? So here are these false teachers, and they're scoffing at the idea, and they're saying, well, he hasn't come yet. He's not coming. Now think about it. At the time Peter wrote, it's only 30 to 35 years from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You think they're, they're kind of impatient. We've been waiting a lot longer than 30 to 30, 35 years, but here's a word that's very helpful for us as we await the promise of Jesus' return. How about verse 8? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. That verse is for us. It was for the first readers, but that is for us. So it, it clues us in that as we await the second coming of Christ, that God views time differently than you and I view time. That's what Peter says, looking in verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Our God is, he's eternal. He has existed from all eternity past and will exist to all eternity future he has existed long before he created this earth. He's outside of time. And so God's vantage point with time is very different than our own. God has his timetable. God's never pressed for time. It's very different than our sense of time. Not only that, but Peter says, here's the reason you're still waiting on the second coming. It's because God is patient. Did you notice? Look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. So God's delay in the return of Jesus is about God's patience. And you and I should be patient as well. James spoke this way in James 5, 7. In the context of the second coming, James said, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. But why is God being patient? What is he waiting on? Well, God is patient because he desires to save and not condemn. Look at the next part of this. But is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That is a beautiful verse, isn't it? So here we're crying out, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Why aren't you coming? Do you see the mess the world's in? Why won't you come? Patient. God desires to save rather than condemn. So every day he waits, every hour he waits is another opportunity for many more people to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. This is amazing, isn't it? You and I would have called it all off years and years and years ago. But as I think about my life, I'm so glad that Jesus delayed his coming and did not come when I was 12. I'm glad he didn't come when I was 14. I'm glad he didn't come when I was 15. I'm glad he didn't come until the second half of my junior year. When finally I heard and understood the gospel and put my faith in Jesus, his patience was salvation for me. And his, his patience was salvation for everyone you know. But here, for it to be good news that God waits, we must be sharing the gospel. Listen, just the waiting doesn't save people, but during this time of God waiting, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel with people. So let me ask you this. Is God waiting on you while he waits for the return of Christ? Is he waiting on you to share the good news with somebody in your life? He's given time. There's another day, another hour. There's time. 
And is he waiting on you? Share the gospel with that neighbor. Share the gospel with that neighbor. I'm waiting before bringing judgment. I'm giving time. You and I need to be sharing the gospel. So what should we do as we wait and sometimes feel like we keep waiting for his second coming? Be patient. Be hopeful. But be open with the gospel. Last Sunday, we had you pray uh, as while we were gathered because after church, we had a life group or two putting on a block party at one of our local parks. And we didn't tell you which part because this wasn't a fall festival for us. This was an outreach event for the community so we could have some of these wonderful gospel conversations. And it was fun. Two moon bounces there. That's fun. Popcorn machine, all this other stuff. A lot of, lot of love there. But all with the idea of being a blessing to the community as parents brought their kids over to play and all that. And they're very tactfully and graciously inviting people to church here. And then seeking to have some conversations about Jesus. And it was fun to watch those gospel conversations happening in a very positive place. This is, this is what we're doing until Jesus comes. We're to be sharing the good news. But do you want to know our number one strategy for introducing other people to Jesus? It's you. I mean, this is what we have in the New Testament. This is it. You know Jesus, then you go out and talk about Jesus. You know people who don't know Jesus, like you used to be away from Jesus, and you are armed with the gospel. In fact, we've made it really easy. We even have these wristbands, and I'm wearing two this morning. We have them on the table out there in the foyer so you can reload before you go, but, but these are wonderful, simple tools where you are reminding yourself when you put one on, I have a mission. I have a mission from God. Until he comes again, I'm going to be sharing this good news. While he waits on the judgment he's bringing, I'm supposed to be sharing the good news. And it's a great invitation. Let me just remind you how I often use it. If I, if I don't have it a moment, um, I'll tell somebody, oh, this is an invitation to our church. I'd like to get this to you and I can take it off and hand it. There's our website with all the information. Oftentimes they'll look at the little symbols on the back there. And if there's time, I can walk them through that sometimes very quickly just to see if there's any opportunity there to talk further, but a great tool. These things are all explained on the website, by the way, but let's just remind ourselves while we're waiting, we are to share the gospel with others. I love how James talked about it. We wait like a farmer. If you've ever known a farmer, farmers don't wait just sitting around their house. Farmers work hard while they're waiting on the harvest. They're still out there watering and fertilizing and doing all kinds of getting dealing with weeds and all that. They're working hard while they wait. Listen, that's you and me. We're to be working while we wait. In fact, that's what Jesus expects of us in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we're to be sharing the gospel. We're to be sending and supporting missionaries until Jesus comes again. It's what Jesus expects. Thinking about this this week made me think back to 30 years ago when we were waiting on something special. We were waiting on the birth of our first daughter, Hillary. We were living in Memphis. I was in seminary. And it just so happened while we were waiting, I was in the middle of the biggest paper writing in my, in my seminary days. It would eventually be a 50-page paper for one of my Greek classes. And so it was a doozy of a paper. I was not enjoying it. And, uh, and so it dawned on me, you know, if the baby comes early, I'll get an extension on this paper, and I would welcome that. Give me more time. And I thought, he'd probably get me deep into the summer to wrap this up at a better pace. And so I had that going on. In, in fact, that what contributed to that hope was the nurse kept telling Joy, Joy, you'll never make it to your due date. She's coming early, I can tell you. So I'm thinking, oh, good. But thankfully, I kept working on this paper. I just kept working on it. We go back for another appointment. I remember one time she said, we'll see you this weekend. You'll never make it to your due date. 
but I'm glad I kept working on that paper <laughs> because Hillary made it to her due date. In fact, they tell us only 5% of babies are born on their due date. There's like a two-week window around that where all the babies are born typically, but only 5% on the due date, and my daughter was very punctual right on the due date. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I did that paper. Professor was like, baby, I didn't come yet. I turned it in. Full disclosure, I think I made a C-plus on that paper. I was happy to get it. It was not my best work, but I got that thing turned in. Hey, it worked out as a blessing because I was able to not focus on schoolwork and spend some time with her in those precious first days. But listen, just a reminder to me, keep working while we're waiting. Keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ while we wait. We have a clear assignment from him. And then this, when Jesus does come at a time of the choosing of the Father, it's going to be sudden and it's going to be unmistakable. That's what we see next. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. When Jesus comes again, and he is coming, when he comes again, so many wonderful things will be happening simultaneously when he does appear in the sky. Peter here compresses a number of things here. And we have other scriptures that tell us more about what's happening in the sequence of things. But we have the book of Revelation that spells it out even more. We got Matthew 24. We got 1 Thessalonians 4. We got 1 Corinthians 15. And we got Peter's words here. There's a lot going on when Jesus comes and, and, and the things that unfold in his coming. But boy, it's going to be dramatic. Coming suddenly like a thief. Just when people are scoffing, oh, that'll... Well, there he comes. <laughs> and every knee will bow, every tongue confess in that moment, Right? But we know this, when Jesus appears in the sky, there will be what many call the rapture. He'll appear in the sky. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those, whoever that final generation is, if that's our generation, how wonderful. We get to meet the Lord in the air. We read earlier in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That'll usher in a thousand year period, what we call the millennium. We'll already have our glorified bodies reigning with Christ. That's amazing and blowing our minds. At the end of that period, there'll be a final judgment. For the unbelievers, that great white throne judgment we read about in the book of Revelation, they'll be raised up for that judgment and final sentencing, sadly, in hell apart from Christ forever. And then at last, Peter here tells us there'll be this moment when all of the heavenly bodies, all that'll be destroyed and dissolved. Even this earth here, it says in verse 7, reserved for fire. So the earth as we know it will be destroyed and remade glorious. We will then live on the new heavens and new earth, and we'll talk about that next time. That's the next thing we see in our passage that Peter talks about. But, but just as we just think about that, it will be dramatic when Jesus comes. Everything will be altered from then on when Jesus comes again. The glorious salvation of his people and all that reigning with him, judgment of the unbelievers, and then just a new earth is coming. But things as they are won't continue as they are. So in this time when we're so tempted to look down, think about things on this earth, here's a reminder, the earth will one day be gone and remade. Even the things we see up in space, gone. All the material things we've hoped for and lusted after, those things are going to be gone. The media and computers and cars and all that that we make much of that we actually need on this earth because we're living on a material earth, but all that's going to be gone. It can't be our focus, can't be our worship. But aren't you glad all things will be made new We'll live on a more glorious earth, back to an Eden-like experience. But two closing thoughts in light of just this reminder that Jesus is coming again. First of all, believe and follow Jesus. Believe and follow Jesus. You and I live in a world of scoffers, but every generation has their scoffers and they die off the scenes and we hardly remember them. There'll be another generation after this one should the Lord delay his coming. 
Don't follow the scoffers. Don't follow them. Follow Jesus. He died on the cross for you. He was raised from the dead. He is coming again. This is the time where you should turn from your sins and put all of your faith in Jesus. Nobody's loved you like Jesus. Nobody can forgive all of your sins but Jesus. No one can take all your shame away but Jesus. Today, would you trust in Jesus? And then let me speak to you as a believer. Believer, fix your mind on Jesus. Lift up your hope to Jesus and his coming. May you and I be more heavenly minded than we've ever been before. That we can do more earthly good as we share his gospel than ever before. Pray with me.